Welcome back to the TNT BNB podcast. On these episodes, we'll be bringing in a guest host to discuss certain categories of movies. Categories such as movies around the world, franchisees, and genre. Certain directors, actors, actresses, and so much more. So sit back, mix a drink, and enjoy. Listener beware, we will be spoiling the shit out of this. Here we go again. We're back with a category, and I guess the best way to describe this category is <laughs> a movie that's uncomfortable to watch or difficult to watch. I don't know the best way to describe it, but... It's just you can interpret it in many ways, yeah. yeah. It's both. It sounds good both ways. It does. So, I mean, several options, but before we get into that... You know what we're drinking. Yeah, we haven't changed much. We were going to break out some of the bourbon, but then keep it simple, stupid. McMaster's (laughs) and Diet Pepsi. Well, you know, it didn't seem to do you guys wrong last week. (laughs) (laughs) Seemed to work out pretty well. (laughs) Well, when you text me, you're like, what did we decide on? I was a little drunk, and I'm like, oh. Okay, I guess so, you know. <laughs> well, we also have to blame the marijuana on that. I've been on a lot of edibles lately. So. You'd be surprised oh. how many times we have to have that conversation the next day. Like, what are we doing next? <laughs> ah, that's true. That's true. Okay, well, I'm going something totally new. I'm going to, like, break it out here for you guys. Um, you know, everyone knows about, you know, how. There's White Claw out there, and there's this, and there's that, and there's that, and there's so many different ones out there now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am actually drinking Long Drink. It is Finnish. It's been around since, evidently, it's like a drink that they've been, it's since 1952. Oh. And now it's in a can. It's, think of Fresca on, 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 on drugs. Oh, <laughs> I like it's, it. It's gin. It is gin in a can that tastes like Fresca. I'm hmm. unfamiliar with that, but something I like the sound of it. I like gin a lot. It's called Long Drink. They have two. Di- there's different flavors. There's the two classic flavors. Um, the blue can is like the normal one. Da 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 da. It tastes just like Fresca. All the good stuff to it. It's it's like you're drinking squirt, but it's yeah. gin. And then the white can with the blue writing is there's zero calorie one, and it's gluten free and all this good stuff. So zero sugars, carbs. So for those people out there, you know, you got some options here now. You know, you, um, you can get that anywhere or. Uh, Jim bought it. Where, let me see. So some bars are starting to just carry it now. You know, because it's, it's definitely a summer drink. Very refreshing. I mean, they're they're. They're carrying it pretty well. I saw it on the deck on the bar we were just at last weekend. But Jim got these for me at D. Schuler. I believe they're at like the Barrel House. Yeah. They had it at Total Wine. He did not so, see it at Meyer yet. Um, you said Total Beverage? Total Bev. Yeah. Total okay. Bev and Total Wine. Yeah. How about Mega Bev? Probably. I would assume so. Okay. It's, it's called Long Drink. The finish, whatever, but it's gin. So you got gluten free, carb free, all that good stuff. Huh. You know, you got with cal, you got one, and then you got one without sugar, zero sugar. So it's a little bit different, but it's, I mean, 
to, to totally date myself, Fresca. <laughs> like it's Fresca. <laughs> it's Fresca yeah. in a can. <laughs> I, mean, I like Fresca. I, think I drink Fresca and vodka quite a bit. That's wow. well. See, this is this is gin. So I think you would like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really do. So it we might used, be something. We did Fresca and gin one, didn't we? I think so. Yeah, that was a pretty good mix. We ran out of mix for the gin. Yeah. So I mean, I think you might want to try it. It's kind of cool. Um, do you have a percentage first... on it by chance? Uh, yep, it says five alcohol percent per volume. Okay, that's not bad. That's Truly's. That's Truly's. Truly's white calls, all that stuff out yeah. there now. I mean, you got ranch water out there. I mean, there's all these different out there. You know, they get oh, such yeah. different verifications. I just like the fact that it was gin, and it tastes. Someone said you'll like it if you like Fresca, and I'm like, well, I like Fresca. You know, it's almost to the point where you guys are drinking Diet Pepsi. I want to send you a case of a uh, tab. Just <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> if um, you're gonna keep it old school, let's keep it old school. You know. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, have you heard of Simply um, mm -hmm. Lemonade um, Spike? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, last time was the first time I saw that the Minions brought it in. And I was like, "What is that?" I took a sip. I'm like, "It was actually good, but." I mean, there's so many different out there with the different cans and this and that. It's just something, I don't know, just looking, you know, going to a party, going to the lake house, something that I'm not dragging 19 things, trying to make a mixer and this and that. I wanted something that was a drink. You can put in a cooler, go out by the beach, crack open a can, and it's ready to go. Yeah, and, I, not, and I'm not saying White Claw isn't whatever, but, you know, because that's like, you know, I don't want to call it the, you know, the granddaddy of them all. I mean, really, it is kind of. Well, it's kind of the club. first one of the game, for sure. That really yeah. got the, you know, recognition. You know, and everyone has, like, a seltzer out there now, you know. Mm -hmm. But this one just seemed a little different. So I like the difference. There are a few different flavors, but this is the original. So I was yeah. like, you know what? Let's just go with it. Not bad. Mm -hmm. And I like the gin and the grapefruit juice, you know, squirt things going on because I love Palomas and all that other stuff. So it's not Well, it's a refreshing summer drink. It's hot out it's yeah yeah that and that's my theory you know and honestly it i mean i feel like if i'm drinking them i it's pretty refreshing but i'm I'm getting a little buzz so i'm like yep it's it's time yeah it's doing its yeah. job hmm. no but other than that i knew i had a feeling you might stick with the diet and the McMasters, but I was like, oh, maybe they're, I'm, you know, that'd be funny if you just have Tab delivered to you at one point in time. Just... Oh, look, he has Tab. Yeah, like I said, we we're going to break out the Costco. We had one more podcast round with that, the Costco bourbon. But then I was like, you know what? I want to stick to McMasters tonight. I have the palette already open to it. Like, why not? Yeah. We all got our little palettes and all this and. You know, like we all, I mean, it's nice to switch it up once in a while, but sometimes you just have to go with like the old school stuff, you know. That's what it is. There's like probably tomorrow might be gin night, but. Well, let me give a big, big shout out to uh, Three Gatos Brewery. I don't know if you know of it. <clears throat> no. And it's in Michigan. Um, it's here in Wyoming. Um, it's over on 44th Street, over by the old. Uh, Wyoming Cattle Company, Rio Grande slash okay. Jose Babushka's. Yep. Um, it used to be Kitson Garden Brewery, but now it's Three Gatos. He's Brazilian and his wife is German. 
and all a lot of their um and it's named after their cats basically and all their <laughs> three cats and all their beers are named after cats like calicos and german rexes and all that stuff I had a really good some good doppelbox here the other day i stopped just briefly okay and that i and like then, a good double box every now and then not all the yeah. time but it's it it was it it's a dark one right yeah it was very yeah. it was, wasn't a stout it wasn't a it's stout a german like style yeah. it's um yep. Um. Yeah, I. They. Yeah. I like those. I was hoping they could can. I was hoping they were canning and would do have growlers or have the license to do that yet because they're new. They don't have the license to do that yet. Yeah. Gotcha. They said they should have it within the next month, and I was like, darn, I would have got like a growler or a can or something on that because it was some pretty good. It was a pretty good. That was where I was thinking something new for this podcast. And I wasn't able to, but then I, I happened to stumble upon this one, so that was kind of cool. Well, what's funny is, I don't know if you remember this, but we went to when Founders was on Monroe back in the oh, day. Oh, absolutely. And they yeah. were barely struggling. It was like seven tables, just a yep, small that's where little used brew to go there too. house. Yep. And we yeah. went there after disc golfing, and yeah. now seeing Founders now is freaking amazing. Just like yeah. they were about ready to lose their ass and go bankrupt. Yeah. And yep. then there they are. Yeah, I used to go when they were just the small, when they had their first location and they had the peanuts on the floor and all yes. that stuff. Yep, yep. Yep. Yeah, uh -huh. I mean, half the time location means everything. They're in a much better location now than where they were. Oh, when absolutely. he brought up a small brewery like that, I'm like, that reminds me of Founders because they weren't even um, doing growlers at the time. It was all pints or this yeah. or that. Um, yeah. Those were the days. Yeah, like I said, I was hoping I could have bring some. I would have brought some of that home. That's why I wanted something new, and that's why I went with this one. But you know, things change. Hopefully, they'll have their little to go license soon. Yeah. Yeah. All okay, right. Who's ready to go first? Yeah, starting off. Kid. So, <clears throat> all right. Before I say the movie, the reason <laughs> why I chose this style of a movie. There's so many different styles of this type of movie. But this is the one that came right to my head. Um, it's the real life stuff that you see in a movie that you actually know that actually happened. And okay. it just actually just grosses. It makes you really gross to know like that that actually really did happen in real life. So yeah. as you're watching it, you're just like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Like, so with that being said, and... There's a lot of styles like this type of movie. This one's based on a book. Um, but this is the one that came to my head. There's a few others that are very similar. But I, to be honest, I saw them once and it was just like I lost the title. I couldn't put out the movie together. But this is the one title that stuck with me. All right. It's 2007. I have an old Note 8 that we're working with here. Did not save. Did you forget the name of the movie? No, I have it. It's just this phone works at turtle speed. He All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to get everything pulled up. up. So <laughs> it's The Girl Next Door, 2007, okay. 6.5 of um, IMDb, Metascore at 29, um, Rotten Tomatoes. I couldn't find a budget, but. Rotten Tomatoes with 67% tomato meter, 61% mm -hmm. audience. 
So this movie starts out with a guy and that's older, and you can tell that he's had a trouble. Like he was just unhappy in life, and this car hits this homeless person as they're crossing the street together, and he's like, "I wish I was that guy that got hit." Um, he saved the guy in the streets, and then he goes into his childhood, his teenage years, one summer. And it's basically about a family that um, he lives next door to that he's friends with their son and stuff. And they, um, it has him down at the creek catching crawdaddies and this and that. And this girl comes up and she's like, oh, what's this? Oh, I'm from the city. I don't see these a lot. Like, do you eat them? And he's like, no, I just release them. And they had like this very civil conversation, like, you know, like, oh, kind of like, teenage love kind of talk well then he finds out that he's living with their friends next door and the mom is um the cool mom i guess is like you know you're you go drink beer with smoke cigarettes like you know she puts them to work by you know like oh there's all these uh tent worms let's go around and burn all the things like, and then, like, you can tell that she's a boy mom, not a girl mom, because she, like, she's not feeding the girls, like, oh, let me say it. Like, the girls that she, um, are, that she's taking care of is her parents just died in an accident. So one of the daughters is messed up and on crutches. The other just has some scars and stuff. And, um... The mom's not feeding them like, hey, you got to stay in shape like, or just not not taking care of them, I guess is the best way to put it. I don't know if it's because she doesn't want them to get fat. It's just who she is as a person. And when they went to go burn down the tent worms, um, the one girl's like, I don't want anything to do with it, kind of. She was like being very like, you know, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. So she's like, well, you can go with your sister and do the laundry downstairs and just kind of like tells her to go down there and um, do the woman thing. And I don't know. Then it gets into them like basically the one daughter that's on crutches, they make her seem like she's doing something bad. And so they have to punish her sister for it. So they make her think like the reason why they're punishing her sister is because she did something wrong and so like they tied her sister up like in the basement and roped her and stripped her down and was beating the shit out of her basically and they were cutting her with knives and at first the mom was not letting them touch her and then it went into full rape at the end and we're talking, like, the mom, like, writing horror on her chest, like, like um, what do you call that? Singeing it into her body. Branding it. Branding it into her body. And then after she did that, she's like, oh, there's a way we can take away the pleasure of her having sex. And they do this in Africa, this and that. So they're talking about just basically ripping her womanhood out of her. So she can't, so she cannot enjoy sex anymore. And like, 
it was so graphic. And, you know, some of the movie was good, but it's the graphic parts that makes it so hard to watch. Like that that actually is being that actually has happened in life. Okay. Like who's who's who starred in this movie? Oh, so I forgot to mention that part. Um, there's some good actor. The Bane. So there's William Atherin. Okay. He's one that William I Ackerman? recommend. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, he's only in it for a little bit. He plays the adult of the neighbor, like the grown-up version yeah. of the neighbor. Yeah. Okay. But everybody else. Oh, Mark Margolis. He's very, I, I recognize him. He's the homeless guy. He only played for, again. Who directed um, it? Um, bonus guy, total garbage. Yeah. Um, Gregory Wilson. Okay. But For some reason, this, this title sounds familiar. I just, I'm trying to place it as best as I can. It's on Netflix. Okay. It's on Netflix. Um, it the book is written by. I hate working with this phone, but we'll try to get here. Um, um, story is told in rec retrospective point of view of David Morin who lived next door to Ruth Chandler um, so it's based on a true story yes yeah and that's that is what yeah that's what makes yeah. things so terrifying when I watch these kind of things like this actually was this happened maybe not maybe they lessened down or maybe was, I don't know like um, oh, it was um, Jack Ketchum's uh, book. Okay, cool. The Girl Next Door. But I don't know. The first time we watched it, you, like you said, you came up with the article or something. You're like, yeah, let's put it on. <laughs> and after I watched it, I was like, uh, I don't want to watch not- that again. And I remember I'm glad saying I watched that. it, but yeah, yeah. I'm glad I watched it, but let's not watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> then I did watch it again because for this podcast. And I was like, yeah, that's why I didn't watch that. How did it conclude? Like, what happened to the girl? I, I she don't died. Remember. She died in the process of getting tortured. Um, or did the, she... the young boy was laying next to her, and the mom, um, well, she, she wore her dead mom's writing ring over her thing, but the one lady took it from her. So he knocked her out eventually. And um, he's laying in bed next to her. She's like, I just want my mom's ring. So he goes and rips it off her uh, neck as she's laying there, passed out or dead. I don't know if she died. And she he's sitting there talking to her, and she just said her last final words and died right there laying next to him. Yeah. It's just... And that's the whole point, you know, you you know, the stuff that this is based on a true story, and you're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Well, what's also sickening about this is the mom is watching one of her sons banging her out 
on a bed, and the mom's like just watching it. Then this, then after the su- second son finishes, the other son is like, she's like, okay, who's going next? And he's like, I want to go. He's like, no, that's incest. That's your brother's. You're swimming in your brother's mess or something oh, like that. Christ. And I was like, oh. Like, also, this is incest because that's a second cousin, and I'm pretty sure that's still not right, guys. Like, now, if I remember, because I didn't rewatch this, but if I remember correctly, the kids at first weren't really in- wanting to do what the mom said, but then it as, was- it, as it continued, they started getting into it. No, was not that- really. No? Like, okay. one of the kids. The reason why the cops came one of the times is because one of the kids said, told his mom that they're using her as a punching bag. And so it slowly started coming out. That's why they got caught is the cop was kind of like well, something weird is going on here. So I think he was kind of staking the house. I'm not sure. Okay. But when they trapped the main boy and left him in the house um, because he was trying to make the neighbor. Us, yeah, the neighbor. Okay. He was trying to uh, get her to go. Um, he found firecrackers, a bunch of lint, and a bowl, and lit it all on fire. So smoke was coming out of the basement. So, so the cop would have to come. So out. once they found the smoke coming through the house, the mom was running down, about ready to beat the shit out of them. But he whacked her over the head with the crutches of the one girl. So that leaves her out there bleeding. I think he hit her a few times, and then. Um, as the sun was coming down, he almost slit the one kid's throat, but the cop was already in the basement. Like, put that oh, down. Oh, I do kind of remember something about that, yeah. So, it was very, you know, this took place in the 50s. And the other oh, thing that kind of grossed yeah. me out is, um, oh, I can't, let's call it gonorrhea. I don't really know. But um, basically, the mom was claiming that she had an STD. And she's like, oh, don't worry. They have pills for that now. Like after the brother banged her and somebody else was going to do her afterwards or something. I was like, what the hell? Like, first of all, I don't want to be in a room ever when my mom's in the room. Well, yeah, that goes without saying. I don't know. There, there's so much about this. You start watching, like that's just not right. Now, as a okay, so here, you know, going back to the night, it's based in the 1950s. If you think about this, what happened behind people's closed doors was their own business. So, for the next door neighbor boy to be kind of like investigating, and a cop to like kind of be questioning what's going on, you know, child abuse or child whatever. I mean. That was such a taboo subject. You can imagine how much it used to happen back then behind closed doors. You know, basically people did what they wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you can see where, you know, it's kind of like as a movie, it's in a book. It definitely has redeeming quality because it shows something that, of course, happened and was true. And at the same time was probably ignored when it was happening. The one thing that also bothered me is the mom didn't let the boys touch her at first and then at the towards the end one of the sons was banging her and there was two of the neighborhood girls sitting there watching it too like in my head i'm like 
okay. As a girl, what you think? Like, yeah, this is not right. It's almost like a little cult she had going on in that neighborhood mm-hmm. that she had control over them. She was like the She's giving Charles them beer and Manson cigarettes. of yeah, yeah. She was the Charles Manson of whatever she could buy and bribe her way out of everything with basic little cigarettes and booze. And that's what I was trying to go with this whole theme is it's the cult movies that are hard to watch because it's the cult movies that are actually real. And those are the movies that are very cringe worthy to me is like, yeah, I can go into a movie and watch I'm like, okay, this is just a movie. It's fine. Then I actually know this movie is based off something. I'm like, okay, this is a little fucked because I, ugh. I live. In, I, mean, it, I live in my own little bubble sometimes, and I don't realize what's going on in the world around me. But I sometimes don't want to know. <laughs> well, that's absolutely true. You know, I mean, you know, you know, the movie. You know, you see so many. There's documentaries out there, and then there's movies based on true stories, which is the one, of course, she did. And sometimes I think those get more reaction or more watches because they're not a documentary. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And to know that this is based on a true story, it makes us more think about things that are happening out there and how much does that really happen even in our neighborhoods that we're not aware of. Oh yeah. And does it make does it make us more heightened because we saw this movie? Not it's not a movie that we want to watch again because it was just yeah, disturbing on so many different levels. The fact that, you know, you would never want to see your mom in the room watching you bang someone or forcing you to bang someone or coercing you to bang someone. Exactly. Or, yeah, but it makes you think and be more aware of your or surroundings or what's happening, yeah. I mean, I won't lie. When I first saw this, I was like, how bad are we going to get into this? Because is she going to make one of these girls bang her out real quick? But we're talking about the 50s. That's not a thing. Yeah. But yeah. in my head, I was like, how bad are we going to get here? Like, yeah. but I mean, it was bad, but luckily it wasn't like multiple gang bangs, I guess. I don't know. It still killed her with all the shit that they did to her, which is so sad because she came from dying or watching her parents die in a car accident and her sister and alive. Tortured. And, and then being tortured by supposedly who's supposed to be her aunt. Like, yeah. yeah, like we should not have had had even her own kids, you know. Let alone, so definitely she was more of a boy mom. She never, she probably she's a boy mom. But yeah. the, the whole point is that she always viewed all other females as a threat to her position because she was the leader of the family. She was the matriarch. Any oh. other woman would make it question. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I didn't look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm really surprised that you did this i thought for sure it was going to be arachnophobia <laughs> see the thing is i don't think i could even watch that that was the whole point no i i literally <laughs> do not think i could watch that like i've already had crazy dreams this week i don't even know what would have happened if i watched that this week oh you know we gotta i mean well i'll give you that one i mean we'll let you not that that one is that's that's uh, facing your own mortal fears, yeah, you might not have been able well, to handle it. Jim and I talked about that when we were at the store the other day. So, yeah, like, yeah, I can't wow. do that. And Jim's like, I hate fucking spiders. Like, yeah, me too. I can't do that shit. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, this is streaming on Netflix. Is it a Netflix original or is it just Netflix? I think it is. If it came out in 2007, it, it's not a no, Netflix original. Well, it, it didn't get any. I couldn't find any numbers. It could it. have been like a straight to DVD or something. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, it's always been on Netflix. I think, yeah, we watched it five six years ago for the first time probably yeah on netflix so okay yeah. so this is it's on netflix if anyone wants to watch i mean i mean you know got those based on true story book thing going on with like a i'll just say it's worth a watch one time but just be be prepared to like i can't handle this and i just got to walk out of the room or get on your phone or whatever you do to bypass those yeah. those stages because I was on my phone a lot at one point. I was like, I can't watch this. <laughs> well, we kind of defeated the pro. Well, the cringe. You were able to get through it again. That's all that matters. Yeah. I was able to listen, but I couldn't watch. I guess is the best way to put that. Now, on a scale of one to ten, what are you going to give this movie? Because, I mean, there is some social relevance there, and it does depict uh, a female as almost. A controlling matriarch cult leader so, who has her own little fiefdom in her own world. I gave this a thought. Overall, if you take like the scenes that are very tough and take them out of this movie and put it as a movie like overall with the acting and everything like that, I give this movie a seven. Okay. Okay. Just because it's a great movie, it's just those scenes. It's the, I'd say, 15 minutes, this movie's an hour and a half, I'd say about 20 minutes of some scenes that you're just like, this is too much. So you now, got an hour you... and 10 minutes of this movie, you're just like, okay, this is actually a decent movie. But the other stuff is just the hard part. Like, you just can't watch it. Now, my question is for you on this one. Are these scenes relevant to the plot and necessary for the movie yes. to have its okay, okay, impact? Okay, yes. so you like can't you take need them to out. See, okay. You need to see how this mom is treating these girls. And the one scene that was very tough for me. So the the one girl, her her younger sister, who in real life is ten years old, but I don't know if she's playing a younger girl or not, because the one girl is supposed to play a 14-year-old, so they didn't really go into ages. But she's definitely a younger girl. But um, she did something bad, and the mom's like, all right, uh, pull your skirt up, pull your panties down, and I'm going to smack your ass. And so the boys, like, start leaving the room. She's like, no, you're going to watch this. <laughs> Jesus. And, like, you see this young girl, literally panties to the ankle, dress up and these boys are watching her getting smacked by this i think it was like a duster thing up like in the thing like how you dust your house it's like one of those big old 50s dusters but at the same time she's and if you think about the significant significance of that scene she is sexualizing violence to her boys and mm -hmm. creating and creating the next generation of psychopaths exactly like you're you're letting the boys see this like this should not be seen like oh there was so much like with that scene i was like 
Not right. Not at all. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I give it an eight. Or a seven, I mean. Seven. Okay, well, I'm probably going to have to possibly watch it. I'll make Jim watch it with me. Um, (laughs) Well, brace yourself. Yeah. Brace myself. I know. I know. Sometimes it's definitely I just, worth I'm... the first watch. I will have to say that. The second watch, I kind of knew what I was going into, and I knew which scenes. I'm like, I'm not watching this one again. Like, this is. Ugh. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. And the name of that again, just so we know. Here um, again. The Girl Next Door. 2007. Girl next door. You got to type in 2007. Yeah. Not to Elisha Cuthbert. Fucking sex comedy that came out a couple <laughs> years after. <laughs> All okay. right. On to the next. All right. So I I kind of went back and forth on how to pick a movie for this category because, I mean, you could go under the torture porn of horror, which I'm not a huge fan of. Wait. Thought about that. Thought about movies like just shitty fucking movies like Fifty Shades of Grey. Watched it once. I'd never want to watch it again. Just okay. There yeah. was there were some movies that hit a little too close to home, so I didn't want to do that either. So I picked a movie that I just recently watched for the first time for our last year in review. It's Grave of the Fireflies. Oh, that's the animated one, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. I watched part of this movie, but I stopped because I was getting tired and I've never started it back up again. So I'm in, I'm kind of glad you did this one. So go ahead. Yeah, it came out in 1988. It's, it's a Studio Ghibli film out of Japan. It has an IMDb of 8.5, a Metascore of 94, Rotten Tomatoes of 100% tomato meter, 95% audience. It had a $3.7 million budget. Domestically, it made $516,962. And that's all Box Office Mojo has. It was directed by Oseo Takahata. Written by Oseo Takahata based on the novel by Akiyuki Nasaka. So, this movie takes place in World War II Japan. Hmm. Like, it appears to be during the war. They never really specify one way or the other. But the movie starts. The opening line of the movie is the main character, who's 12 or 14. Like, my name is Tetsu whatever. This is the day I died. And it shows him basically dying in a subway. And people are, like, rummaging through his uh, pockets, stealing his shit. And he's, I mean, dead. And there's several dead bodies around him. But the movie is essentially about a brother and sister. I would say, if I had to guess, 12 and 5 are the ages. And in the first 10 minutes, their city gets air raided and their mom is dead. 
and so he has to essentially take care of his younger sister. They go live with an aunt who's, I mean, just a bitch. Fucking hates them, berates them, tells them, like, you're not working for the country or your people. Their dad is in the Navy. Later in the movie, they find out that he ended up getting killed. And he's trying to hide. The thing about the movie is he's trying to protect his younger sister from the atrocity that's happening. Okay. So, like, there's a scene where he takes her to the beach and they have a good time, but she stumbles upon a rotting corpse. And... I don't know. This movie, the fact that it's animated, I felt sadness watching animated movies like Mufasa dying or Bambi's mom getting killed. But God damn it, this movie for an animated movie is so heavy. Like, I mean, to cut to the chase, the sister dies from malnutrition. Like, okay. all she needed to do was eat and she would have been fine, but there was no food. They ended up living in, like, an abandoned bomb shelter, and they have some good times. They have some bad times. Like, he ends up getting caught stealing food from a farmer, gets the shit kicked out of him and dragged to the police station. It's It's a very tough watch. So the fact that they, they chose to do this in animation, and you think about that, it's such a contradiction in viewing. I mean, you got, you know, the beauty of the animation, because I remember watching part of this, and then I fell asleep because, you know, I'm watching, I'm trying to read subtitles. Yeah. I'm not saying the movie was bad. I was just tired, and I've never got around to do it. But it's it's stark. It's graphic. But at the same time, yes. the animation is beautiful. And the storyline is up in your face about the atrocities of war, but to draw it in an animated color just it, it pushes the knife into your gut further, realizing that it's like they're almost sugarcoating it, but they're not because they want you to see how vile it is. Yeah, and <clears throat> the the fact that they even go on to say... I was reading some articles or reviews on it and they never once mentioned America. It was just the enemy. Okay. And that apparently I, I'm just based on reading a couple articles that goes into the Japanese culture. It doesn't matter who it's just, they're against us. It's the enemy. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, during all this time, people were fending only for themselves. They didn't, like I said at the beginning, there's dead bodies everywhere and people are just walking past it like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Like it's normalcy, but it's not. And they just, you know, this is the day I die. So what, and here you go, this is the day I die. And it's just normal. Yeah. And he, kn he knows he's dying and he knows it's normal because he's been living in this. Yeah. This has got some really good reviews. Yeah, I think it's I mean, like number 48 on the IMDb's top 250 films of all time. That's what I'm saying. So that's why it was like, I think that's why it like triggered me to watch it. And 
I just have never gotten back around to finishing it because I know I'm when I started, I got to start it from the beginning again. But yeah. I can imagine how hard it was, and it was a difficult watch because of the whole fact that it's su- the irony, the contradiction. You know, it's just here, by the way, this is just people dying, but we're gonna go to you in animation and we're just gonna play it like a laissez faire attitude, and that's what just happens. Yeah, and I mean the title is pertinent because they use they use fireflies to light up their bomb shelter when they left their aunt's house, to, uh-huh. and they died overnight because they're fireflies. And mm-hmm. the young daughter is, I mean, digging a grave, and. A grave for the fireflies and she's like why do they have to die so young and then half hour later she's dead because yeah. like there was a point he takes her <clears throat> takes her to a doctor because she's ill and he checks her out and the brother's like can you just give her a shot or some medicine all she needed is some food and he's like where am I supposed to get food and just Ah, fuck. It, yeah. It, it's heavy. See, I could never get into animes or the Ghiblis or any of that. Oh, they're so good, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're it's not my so, style. I know, movie. I know. And that's the whole, that would probably be, be hard for you to watch because it's not your style, but it, it's, it's, it's that dark and lightness and the contrast, you know, because technically we're always supposed to view animation as happy and Little Mermaid and... Yeah. You know, Bumper and Bambi running around and, you know, it it's Disney. You know, yeah. it's not this dark, this is how the death of war happens. Yeah, and that was yeah. another thing that I thought about. You don't really see too many movies from the Japanese perspective of World War II. No. Well, I'm sure they're out there. We just don't see them either. Right. Yeah, uh, absolutely. They haven't made an impact here but i'm sure they have them there but yeah the movie ends with like after the sister and he dies their spirits show up and they're kind of looking over the modern day tokyo and they're just kind of sitting there it's a beautiful ending but and the fact where's this stream yeah where's this streaming again I don't know if it's streaming because when we were doing our year in review, I ended up buying it on Vudu because it wasn't streaming anywhere and I'd heard so many things about it and I wanted to see it. So it's, it's on our Vudu. Mm-hmm. I don't know if okay. it's streaming now, but it wasn't at the time. Okay. Well, I mean, I just always like, you know, always like to know where it's streaming if anyone can see it. I mean, 19, yeah, and yeah. also think about this is 1988. Yeah. <laughs> 1988. Not, you know, a lot of the times we look at stuff, all this relevant stuff that we're looking at, or it seems, you know, it's different. And it's, I just, it, 88, you don't see this being done in 88, but this actually, it should be definitely looked at. I'm ready to, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, it's on my watch list this weekend. Um, Apple Tunes or Voodoo. That's it. It's not streaming. No. Nope, not streaming at all. 
Oh, darn it all. Well, yeah, I mean, you have our voodoo, so you can watch it. Yeah, okay, cool, 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 cool. But, yeah, I, I think it's a movie that everybody should see because it's fantastically made, and it's very pertinent and heavy and hits hard, but it's not a very watchable movie. Okay. Well, I, just, I saw there was a little glip right here. Um, it says the Grave of Fireflies channels the same spirituality found in the Totoro and other Ghibli films of the anti-war themes. And it's debilitating grief, which is cool. I definitely... Um, it was released here in 89, so it came out in 88. It was released here in 89. I mean, it didn't really make that much money, but... It definitely looks like it's up there. It's a semi-autographical short story. So hmm. someone else wrote this. It was based on a short story. Yeah, it, it looks was based like. on from '67. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I said, I started watching this, and it it was actually very deep, and I just couldn't. I started getting tired, and I just couldn't read all the subtitles because once again, you're reading subtitles. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Oh my god, I'm gonna have to go get another drink. I'm running out. Oh, yeah, this is this is definitely a two drink. This is already we're already into second drink here. Yeah, this is good. This is a good. This is a good podcast here. And the movie is so <laughs> understated because like when the sister dies, she's like super sick and laying down and he's trying to get her to eat and then she falls asleep. And then all he says is she never woke up. And like, OK, she's dead. And, it, and that's another thing, you know, if you ever seen like any Japanese films their emotions are so subdued and when even with dealing with grief that's how they're expected to do it yeah yeah right. so you did this for the year in review for 1988 for you right yeah i think it was my number three movie of 1988 okay so what do you give it as a whole i mean i know you said it was hard to watch it. i don't know if you could watch it again because it deals with a lot of in-depth controversy about you know the tragedies of war and its outcomes on even younger people which you don't see from all those perspectives i mean in terms of just quality of the movie i'd give it an eight and a half okay i like i said i think everybody should watch it okay but i would not uh be upset if nobody watched it twice because it's, it's tough Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, highly recommended. Well, like I said, for the well, well, little bit that I watch, I'm, I, it's, it's, I got to definitely. You I definitely said gotta it's fix on it. our voodoo, right? It's on our voodoo, yeah. Okay, we're going to have to do it. Definitely going to have to watch it. It's on the list. I'm surprised that slipped past me. 1988, you know how I love my 80 movies. That's right. Yeah. Uh, okay, any more? No, I think we're on to you now. Okay, cool. Um, like you said, when we're dealing with how I wanted to come about this, was it hard for me to watch because it was a fear of myself, you know, arachnophobia, because we know, like, you know, you hate spiders, Fuck Travis. Spiders. You know, <laughs> or was it hard because it was the torture porn that I just couldn't watch? Or was it a hard social commentary, which is 
graveyard of the fireflies that you just said did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To me, that's a social commentary on war, you know? Yeah. Um, I had, I actually had three movies. Well, actually, I think I had four. One, two, three, four movies I was going back and forth on. Um, I'm just going to list my four movies, and I'll do the one that I chose over all of them. Um, Hereditary. Yeah, I uh, saw that. Um, I I was going to do this one because I don't know if I could watch it again because all it's, it's watching dark. it the first time, it's so dark. Yeah, it's so dark. But the whole point is, is I already know what's going to happen. It's mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of wa- kind of like watching the Sixth Sense and the magic has been taken out because you now yeah, know what the ab- red means absolutely. and he, yeah. you know, um, that movie the is human centipede. Cent- yeah, the human centipede. Yes. If I I, I remember seeing. Oh yeah. Well, I don't think I could ever watch that again because that was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my whole life, and I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. Well, you heard the story okay. about that one with me, right? I'm just no, going to do a not. quick one. Um, okay, go ahead. Waiting for the cable guy. It's uh-huh. like, oh, I'm going to put this on on whatever was streaming back in the day. I'm in the mm-hmm. middle watching it while the cable guy's in there trying to run cable wires in the house. And I was like, yeah, this is very uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Won't watch that again. No, I mean, it, I heard, like, you know, people saying it was disgusting. And I'm like, oh, well, I have to see how disgusting it is. And I'm like, yeah. yep, it's disgusting. I'm never watching it again. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I was going to have to watch it again, I'm like, no. Um, I end up going with... Uh, I was going to, I didn't go with, this is my other one, Boy in the Striped Pajamas. That's a tough one, yeah. That's a tough one because of, I don't, I don't want to say that the Holocaust is a taboo thing and it's, you know, you have to have that gut-ratching feeling, you know, because you know what's going to happen to the boy. He's in, he's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I'm on that. So I ended up doing, um, I ended up doing, and I made Jim watch it again. I made it. I watched it again for the second time last night. And I made Jim watch it for the first time last night. Green Inferno. Oh. Yep. Uh, yep. So we got a little bit of everything. You got Eli Roth in the height of his coming off of Hostel and all this stuff. You know, he's like the man behind. He's the new thing. Yeah. And you got you got a decent plot here, you know, where it's an industrial Amazon campaign and she gets it's a whole it's got a little bit of everything in there you know you set it up you're thinking this is going to go one way and it totally goes another way you know yeah uh with the fact that you have to do with um cannibalism which is a a totally taboo subject you know initially we think it's going to be an environmentalist thing you know because they're protesting and she gets used by you know the charismatic charismatic leader yeah, so let me just go over the numbers here real fast for you. Yeah. Okay. So we have um, 5.3 for IMDb. IMDb. Mm-hmm. We have 38% Rotten Tomatoes, 38 on Metacritic. These are not great scores. You know, you know, Eli Roth was the new boy on the block who is a new phenomenal. You know, he's already hosted Masters of Horror on AMC or whatever. Yeah. You know, he is supposedly the next genre of horror and he's doing this one and it, he goes to he now he's doing a taboo subject about cannibalism um side note you got the 1980 film that was banned in a lot of places cannibal holocaust, cannibal holocaust yeah, there you go okay so that being said so um it was released in 2013 i'm looking for my 
where is my darling? I got all this book. And Eli Roth, your budget is five million, and it made twelve point nine million. Okay. Um, you, like once again, here we go. Basic plot. You go from a movie that I think you know it's trying to pay homage to those Italian cannibal films and all that other stuff. Like I said, I just said uh, cannibal holocaust and you also got it's almost a film within a film you know you got this you know environmentalist thing and then it turns into cannibalism and it was hard for me to watch because i knew there was two reasons why i decided i knew she was getting tricked and manipulated okay and i had already known the end where she almost had the munch out um munich syndrome you know the yeah. syndrome yeah, yeah. towards the end where she where she actually I don't want to say identifies with her captors or even protects them in the end sorry guys if I'm spoiling this you've never seen it before no, I saw and, it a long time ago well that's the whole point here she is you know she goes through this gruesome thing and in the long run something inside of her is snapped me kind of like almost midsummer towards the end where she was something snapped so she identifies you know with the munich you know where you have stockholm syndrome you know yeah. um and she protects him i never once saw any of that you know and she leaves that guy behind which i would have i would have absolutely left him behind the much, <laughs> much as a dick and use me right. and use every every opportunity to further himself to try to get out of there or manipulate what he needed to to you know survive because he knew that the, they didn't slow the bulldozers down they're still coming you know he was it's a whole thing but the gruesomeness of i guess um it's reality of seeing the cannibalism and seeing knowing <laughs> what some of their fates are going to be one person even takes their own life um they <coughs> perpetually a couple of them perpetually try to escape knowing that escape isn't there and then you see her become almost a symbol or whatever because they're going to induct her into her with female circumcision because yeah. they're because she's a virgin so she's almost they're they're pulling her into their society and she they don't she doesn't realize that she's actually already gravitating towards them mentally but that she's still trying to escape from them and it's it's interesting that because there's cringeworthy moments where you're watching them cut apart people to eat them and eating them alive and you're just like going oh my god yeah. you know and he you know eli roth is you no know, he's done oh eli roth is the boss like he, he's, he's the boss so like he does the countdown every halloween like yeah eli so roth is to the halloween and he yeah. you know he does He's got great, you know, this premiered at, in the Toronto Film Festival, and it also was that Cannes Film Festival. And he is coming off, you know, he is, it's got a lot of, you know, so, you know, you've got a lot of controversy involved with, the, you know, they're, you know, people are manipulating their agendas by using these indigenous people or whatever. And at the same time, 
you got all that, but then his his style is there. You know, you got the hostel going on. You have all. Yeah. It, it just makes it like. You definitely know when you're watching a Eli Roth. You movie. you do yeah. you know because and that was another point. I was almost at hostel, but I can't do hostel. I cannot watch hostel again. I it was this close to me yeah. doing hostel because I can't do the razor blade in the back of the ankles <laughs> because it makes me die every single time. Yeah. And I know it's coming. And watching this movie, initially Jim's like, we're watching the beginning of this movie, and Jim goes, what are we watching? A B movie? I'm like, <laughs> just <laughs> wait, <laughs> just wait. And then he's like, what? And you know, and visually. It's just beautiful because I was comparing it to um, John Borman's. What is that? Emerald Forest. What is it? Emerald. Emerald Forest. What is that movie? I don't remember that one. Oh, 1982. I have a moment, but just the visualness of this with the green. You know, these cannibals are painted in red. Don't tell me you didn't know they were cannibals because they're <laughs> yeah, painted in red. Right. You know. <laughs> against the green backdrop of the green inferno it's just you know and it, honestly you see them cook the one guy yeah. but then you see them eat raw you see them eat another person raw you know you know and there's the survival instinct and this and that and do what you have to do but i know what's happening towards the end and you're just like going i don't think i can watch this because i know they're gonna eat this child alive or they're gonna eat mm -hmm. i just can't do it so you're not it's not torture porn but it's that cannibal yeah. porn. You know, it's your deepest fears. But at the same time, you see her flipping a switch a little bit, becoming, she almost becomes associated with them or not, and disassociated from what she was before and protecting them. Because in the long run, she sees them for more than what they are. It's their way of life, and it's getting destroyed. She and she, I don't think she even blames them for killing the other people in her own heart. You know, it's just she, it is what it is. She, there's something a little bit wrong with her. Yeah, but, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and towards the end, you know, it's and then the last scene you see her looking out the window at the next cause, which is him. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of like it's definitely. I don't know. I mean, you guys have all seen this, right? I mean, I assume we all have. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a long time ago, but I can't. Yeah. And I said, like, it, it was inspired. You can see where, and I had seen Cannibal Holocaust. I see, know, I, I don't think that I've ever seen that. But I did see Green Inferno. But, I mean, that's the apt comparison to make between the movies is this is essentially Green Inferno and 2013 or whatever it was yeah yeah you know and it, you do you have the social activism trying to be put into it with the with the movie within the movie you have her starting to identify with her captors but at the same time they're almost accepting her to be part of their society like they chose her out of this whole group and to them what they're doing to her what they're going to do to her the female circumcision or whatever you know yeah isn't anything bad they're going to make her, they're a part of her society and make him part of her, but she's still trying to escape, but at the same time, she still protects them, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I just saw the visualness of, um, I guess the visualness of its actual, you know, Emerald Forest. I was right, the Emerald Forest. It was 1985. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar a kid was. With that. Yeah, you're looking at um, 
you know, he done so many, if you know John Borman, I mean, I yeah. don't know if anyone else knows, you know, the Exorcist series, you know, he did like Zardoff and with Sean Connery and a few other things. It's, he's, he's got a quite a bit up there, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, he did Deliverance, yeah. which is also on my list of, uh, that was, yeah. I mean, that, that, that was in the running for this fucking podcast for sure. Yeah. You know, so I guess I like this because I also saw, you know, you know, you see Eli Roth and he's one of the new masters, the new masters of horror. You know, you got like the old old schools, John Carpenter, all them. And then you have like your other ones, you know, you know, Wes Craven. And then all of a sudden we have this new, this new breed, which I think was led by Eli Eli Roth. Because yeah. that led into the Ari Aster, that led yeah. into the Jordan Peele. Yep, yep. Uh, and that's... I think that's part of it. You know, that's why I did it. And he actually did go back to, like, some of those cringeworthy moments. And there's certain things, like I said, I, I think in general, I have a hard time rewatching any of Eli Ross um, yeah, movies again. I mean, oh, yeah. I watched them, I watched them once. I'm good. You know, I can see they were absolutely great. They are relevant. They were good. They were shot well. They were a good He's story. Graphic. We're done. He's graphic. And Very. I not, he finds one thing and every person, like I just, hostile, the one, the one torture porn, if you want to call it, is, you know, the back of the, the ankle. And I just, yeah. and that's, that's my thing. But I'm sure there's something for someone else. You know, they just can't take, you know, you know, chains or something you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know and he's able to like hit on that and then with this one that taboo of cannibalism where eventually someone like us who's normal identifies with it that's where it gets me on this one yeah i get it for sure that's, yeah that's not an easy watch no not at all <laughs> um Jim watching this for the first time, like I said, he started off with that one saying, oh my God, was this a B movie? And by the time we were done with it, he's like, he's like, he could, he could see it more for what it was. And it's almost like him watching Midsummer. Um, he definitely said, okay, that's, he, he, it was graphic and he watched it. It was hard for him to watch because mm-hmm. of the graphic scenes. But at the same time, he was kind of, you know, you're, you're cheering her on at the end, but at the same time, you're cheering her on at the end, saving the tribe. Yeah. Because you didn't want to see the tribe slaughtered. Because it, it's, he, 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 he said it was a good movie. Would he watch it again? No. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, I get, I like, get I that can't. sentiment. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it, I mean, for me, I give it an eight. This is actually streaming on Netflix, I believe. Is that Netflix? I don't know. There might be somewhere else. Also, I wasn't sure. I'm on that pretty one. sure it's on Netflix. Yeah, I saw that. And it might be on somewhere else too. I'm not sure. Uh, Apple Tunes. I don't know. I don't know. I know for sure it's on Netflix. For sure, you can watch it on Netflix. It's streaming right now. Yeah. But you know, in all honesty, I thought it'd be have a little bit more, a little bit better numbers. I, I, I guess. I think there's. For whatever reason, there's some kind of bias against Eli Roth. Mm-hmm. There and there has been from the beginning. Like Cabin Fever came out and it was a smash hit. And then once he started doing the hostile movies, they're like this I think that was the birth of the torture porn. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean, even after Saw, like mm-hmm. like this is just too much. I, people just kinda hated him for it. Yep. 
and the point is, is he tapped into something that either we all identify with or we all have a hard time with. Do you understand what yeah, I'm saying? And I, I yeah. I think that was kind of his point. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of all this in, in all of us. Deal with it. You, you either like to watch it, you like to do it, whatever. Yeah. And uh, there are a couple directors I did want to call out that any one of their movies could have been part of this. Uh, Lars von Trier. Okay. Every single one of his movies I've seen has been super uncomfortable. Okay. Like Antichrist, Melancholia, The House oh, yeah. That Jack Built. Like, oh my god, yes, that was on my list too. Nymphomaniac, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, that's not even streaming anywhere. <laughs> no, but I mean, Antichrist was tough. You know, and sometimes, you know, you have to like look at it, you know, and go with, you know, uncomfortable watch, mainstream, even streaming to find it. You want to be able to talk about it, but it's just, there's a couple other ones out there, like I said, Deliverance. I mean, yeah. that scene, I mean, honestly, let's go ahead and throw in I Spit on Your Grave, the original. Yep, absolutely. Oh, I was going to say that. I was going to I was gonna say that or The Last House on the Left. Yep. Um, The original Last House Those on the Left. Old fucking, like, late 70s fucking, um, some of them were tough. Requiem for a Dream. Requiem for a Dream oh, yeah. hits a little too close for home for me. That's, That's why I yep, didn't do that. That was another one. Uh, Gasper No. There's another yeah. one who's done some wild fucking movies. Mm -hmm. Irreversible has the most yep. horrifying rape scene I've ever seen put to film. You know, and I guess, you know, there's there's watching a movie and cringing through a whole entire movie. You know, there has to be, I guess, I guess we all chose movies, um, honestly, that are hard to watch. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I watch I watched them again for the second time or whatever. But some at the same time, there was social relevance, or they had made a statement that was necessary. And not only that, watch. but they were they were good films. They were good like, films. They weren't just the stupidest films ever to yeah, watch it, ever in my whole entire life. Like uh, you could have very easily chosen, like I said before, Fifty Shades of Grey. That movie is oh, painful God. to watch. Oh, awful! But and it's a horrible podcast. Any of, the, podcast. Any of those? They, any they of those did movies. make good podcasts, but. Like a Grave of the Fireflies is a hard to watch, but it is a fantastic film. Just you like know, I mean, the ones you guys chose were good films as well. Yeah, they're great films, but, but guess they're what? just you difficult know, to watch. Yeah. They're not difficult to watch because they're terrible. It's just well, yeah. There's some movies out there that are financial successes. They're the word, like you said, Fishy Say Grace. Everyone went and watched it. You know, there's you know, I watched. Well, I'm probably there's probably people that are gonna like you know, write in and kill us over this. You know, <laughs> Sex in the Sex in the City, both those movies, they are difficult to watch, but they are eye fluff candy to watch. Yeah. And sometimes you just they're difficult to watch because they're some of the stupidest movies you've ever seen. Please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's just go with that. There you go. But they were socially oh, they were freaking a commercial success. But please tell me what woman can afford eight hundred dollar shoes or two thousand dollar shoes running up and down. Yeah. It is what it is, you know, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you need to kind of take socially the aspect of it, because I remember 
back when we started the year in review shit. My worst movie of the year was Shallow Hal. Mm-hmm. I could not even fucking imagine watching that movie again. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, oh, my God. So who who greenlighted? Let's give this guy the ability to not to see fat pass a fat person this year as a, a skinny person, and this is okay because we're going to demify fat people. And that movie was a hit. Yeah. Like times are changing. Yeah. Yeah. And for political correctness, yes or no, times have a change. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Thank God. You know, <laughs> I don't want to say it like that, but they have. Oh, so the next movie is what? Clear and Present or Patriot? I give me a second. I don't remember what order. Those are the next two, but yeah, I can't remember which one's which. I don't remember which one comes first. I haven't seen either or, have I? Uh, I, I don't think I've been a long time. I might have, but it's been too long. Um, that's what I love about watching. This series is, I'm like, I've not seen some of them. Uh, Patriot Games. Okay, so Patriot Games next. Okay, got it. And then, um, let's let's get this one done sooner than later, I guess. So then we get one movie. We can, I'm thinking we can probably get we do two Thursdays are my Jimmy nights. That's why I invite the crew over and we just drink. I Um, could probably do, I'm thinking I have. I want to say I think I think I have next one next Tuesday or Wednesday night off. Either one works. Okay. Um, I got to get a hold of my other buddy, but um, his is very like this day or nothing. So let me see if it, next week works for him, and then I um, will I will scope out my schedule on the computer that technically isn't posted yet because you know I'm going to have to post everyone else's schedules tomorrow. Yeah. And then I will deal with the backlash after that. All right. Well, still yeah. loving the shit. Still loving it. Awesome. All right. Well, this was a good one, I think. Yeah. I think it was. I think it was. So we're doing Patriot Games, which Patriot I saw Games. once probably like 20 years ago. So let's go. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Talk to you later. Yeah, have a good one. Okay. Bye. bye. Well, shit got a little loose. Hopefully you understood everything. Whether or not you agree or disagree with our take on the movies, hopefully you learned something. Or were at least entertained. So come back for more booze and bullshit.